Broadcasting from the Any Hour Services Podcast Studios, I'm your host, Mike Wilson. And on this episode of In the House, we're going to be talking about water softeners. Let's go. In the House is... This is a podcast about the major systems in the house, electrical, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning. Each week, I'm joined by a panel of experts. We pick a topic and we discuss it in depth. It's meant to be informative and hopefully bring you some value. I've got a couple of regulars with us today, Dwayne and Scott, and we're joined by a very special guest, David Adams, um, who is also a plumber. All three of these guys, plumbers at Any Hour Services. Uh, David is joining us because uh, water softeners are, are, you know a lot about this stuff, right? Yeah, I know quite a bit. I, I really enjoy it. How did you get to know so much about them? Is it like a, a you, you liked it until you're like, I'm going to learn everything there is about water softeners? Or how did you become the, you know, the go-to guy when people have questions about water softeners? You know, it, it started about 17, 16 years ago. When I was plumbing and I started to realize there was a big difference in the quality of plumbing in some people's houses compared to others. And I found out that was from water softeners. And from then I just wanted to learn more about them. I went and took extra classes on them and just, just kept learning. Hmm. You say the quality of the plumbing inside the houses. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit more because some people might think like, oh, they had nicer fixtures or they had like nicer toilets like what the, do you mean the, the quality looks nicer of, yeah well you know an example of that when i first started to realize there was a difference is i would go to a house and it would look like somebody was running acid through those copper pipes this was mm. in arizona uh they'd be green they would be pitted they would just be horrible but in that same neighborhood i could go to another house and those copper pipes look completely different they looked really good and it took me some time to realize that the difference was the house with the good pipes had a softener. The p- house with all the problems did not have a softener. You're good. I don't, you, you told me before the show you're a little bit nervous. Oh, man. And, and, and now, uh, you know, getting started, like one of the things we talked about was not banging on the tables and you're a hand talker. I know. You gotta, I got to keep my hands still. I can't do that. It's you hard. Don't, you don't have you to don't. keep your Trust hands still. Me, you don't because it happens to me too. So. You need a drum to beat on. No, no, you're totally fine. We're, we're, excited, uh, we're excited that you're here. Like any type of nervousness that people have is because they, uh, they think probably too highly of the show. They think that the show is like, what? Uh, Go ahead. I mean, you have something to say. Dwayne's speechless. Uh, yeah, I can't believe you said that. Because, I mean, we're like viral, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. No, no. Not even close. What counts as viral? Uh, you, <laughs> nowadays, you got to have like millions of views <laughs> in a very short period of time. It's funny. You know, my, uh, my, my dad, he he does woodworking um, in, in his shop. He makes like wood toys and different things like that. And there was a, there was a YouTube person that uh, plays piano and she had written a song and she, she was looking for someone. It was a song about, you know, like find you know, whatever your talents are, find your talents or your note or your place or whatever. And uh, she wanted to shoot part of her video for this new song she had at my dad's woodworking shop. And, they came out and they they did the the shoot and everything and this entire time until the video was released it, it kind of went to his head he's just like you know i'm going to be a youtube star <laughs> and i was like i don't think he understand how youtube works <laughs> <laughs> and i was talking to him yesterday and he's like 
did you uh, did you see the video? And I was like, have you had to sign any autographs yet? And he's like, no, not yet, but it takes a little bit of time. And I was like, all right, you let me know when you get that first <laughs> autograph request. And he's like, you know, yesterday it had like 300 views. And I was like, wow, 300. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, well, today, because I was looking at it yesterday, so it was day two. I was like, well, you're already up to thirteen hundred, and he was like, thirteen hundred. Wow, <laughs> sounds like a lot. Well, our episodes to give you perspective. First off, thirteen hundred, not close my to going family viral. Family views it, and so I thought it was going viral. We average right now. <laughs> About a hundred views an episode on YouTube, <laughs> and about a hundred downloads on, uh, you know, whatever our little pod bean is that we where we get our analytics. So yes, it is getting, it is getting more popular. But is it, you know, to the Joe Rogan status where he'll upload a video and an hour later he's got three million views? Not quite. But how did we even get? Oh, so people get nervous about being on the show because they think like, oh some big professional production here and and you know we're we're pretty we're pretty fancy but uh no need to be nervous so just 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 ignore the nerves yeah sure <laughs> easier said than done right yeah um okay so let's let's just go right into the topic you know we're talking about water softeners today and um i was surprised and this happens every once in a while cuz when we're when we're in the trades and we're this close to something there are things that we know about and we take for granted knowing that they exist, how they work. And that's one of the things that I like about the show is being able to like, you know, shed light on these, uh, on these products and these systems in the home. Water softeners are one of those systems where I was surprised from, you know, cause I threw some things out on social and was kind of like trying to get feedback for the show. I was surprised how many people their response was, what is a water softener? And so let's actually just start right there. You know, give me an explanation of what a water softener is. Okay. That's a part of that question is be able to understand what hard water is. Okay. Understand what a softener is. What they consider hard water is water that has calcium in it, that has a certain amount of calcium in there that actually becomes destructive. Okay. Uh, they've known about that for a very long time and that it is destructive. And they actually discovered a process in the 1850s where they could remove the calcium from the water. The problem was is when they removed it, the water became acidic. But they found that if they replaced it with sodium, which is salt, that the water was not acidic, and that's what they it made it soft. That's why they call it soft water. And that actually is what a softener does. It pulls the calcium out, replaces it with sodium, and gives you soft water. So now you, you say it's got calcium in it, and... Maybe it's just, you know, a product of my upbringing, but uh, I was always told that you drink milk because it has calcium in it and it's good for the bones. So, uh, you know, <laughs> tell me about uh, why we're removing the calcium out of the, oh, well, first off, is it the same kind of calcium? I would assume calcium is calcium if I'm remembering the periodic table correctly, right? Is it the same kind of calcium that's in, in the milk? I don't know. <laughs> I knew I'd stump somebody. Well, I have a way of coming up with questions. I think a good way to answer that, I don't think you'd want milk to be running through your plumbing. Uh, It runs through my plumbing. (laughs) I drink it and it goes through the plumbing. (laughs) Well, that's the other end of the plumbing, I guess. (laughs) No, the the calcium uh, that's in milk compared to the calcium that's in water, I don't know if those are the same thing. I imagine they are. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So tell me why calcium, uh, like tell me again, like what it, so the calcium in the water is what classifies it as hard water. Sometimes there's more calcium depending on maybe, I don't know, like, is it the part of the country that you're in or is it the way that the water is processed? Like what determines how much calcium is in the water? Yeah. So you've got, if you're in areas where there's a lot of minerals in the ground, you're okay. going to have more calcium. Uh, we, we live really close to the world, one of the world's biggest copper mines, mm. you know, so it's guaranteed we're going to have lots of minerals in our water. So you can have higher levels of calcium. Hmm. Uh, there is areas in this country where they don't have calcium in their water. They have natural soft water. And when they move here to Utah, they absolutely hate our water. Hmm. You know, they get in the shower and they can fill it. They see it on their dishes. Um, they see their clothes fade. And those are the people that when they move here, they usually call us right off the bat and ask for a softener. You know, I have a little story about that. Um, my mom was from Portland, Oregon, and I grew up here in Utah, and we've got extremely hard water here, uh, all, all up and down the Wasatch Front. We've got limestone mountains right behind us, and all the waters, all the aquifers trickle down through that, come down through that, and limestone's full of calcium and, and things. And so and that's lime. And lime, and well, lime, yeah. It's great for margaritas? I don't know. <laughs> I don't actually know either. I just I think it, sure. I think the lime is a fruit, not the not the stone. Fruits are soft, and you just oh, said stone. All right. Anyway, <laughs> don't derail me, Mike. Come on. It's, I have a job to do, and my job on plumbing episodes <laughs> is, is to, to derail somebody. Dwayne, <laughs> it is Shark Week this week, but did anyway. you? No, you no, brought no, it up. No, no, no. no. I didn't We're going go there. there. We're going no, there. No, 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 no. Did no. you see the promos where uh, Mike Tyson was going to fight a shark? Yes. With what these happened? little floaties? I don't know. I don't know either. I heard that he did it, though. I heard he fought a shark. <laughs> All right. So I grew up here in Utah where the water was really, really hard. And whenever we would go to Portland, where my mom was from, I felt like I couldn't ever wash the soap off. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea why i just i didn't understand it was like i'd be in there until you'd get cold water i was in the shower so long in this old home that was built in the 40s didn't have a very big water heater and stuff but it uh i never understood until i became a plumber and started learning about oh that's why because oregon were areas where they get lots and lots of rainfall typically are soft soft water mm -hmm. naturally soft water and so Anyway, so there's a definite different feel of of the soft water and things. And back on the, you know, is calcium good for you? No, the water the water is absolutely great to drink. But the problem we run into is what it does to the plumbing. And that's what David was referring to at the beginning was the fact that the, um, you know, it was the fixtures and the way the plumbing looked and the piping mm -hmm. and things. So, no, calcium in the water is absolutely great minerals in the water. Yeah. And I think that might be something that like, uh, trips a few people up because, you know, we do a really good job as a society of getting good, clean water for the most part to your home that you can drink, bathe in, cook with, do all of those things. But over time, as we've had that, um, you know, in our homes, we start finding out that like, okay, well that water just coming straight to the home does have extra things in it that can that aren't harmful to us but that can be harmful to the fixtures and things in uh you know in the plumbing system that will end up costing you more money down the line because it causes you to have to uh, you know make repairs and things like that that you wouldn't necessarily have to um you know 
water treatment is a conversation for a whole nother, you know, episode where we talk about other types of things. And so we're mainly talking about uh, softeners right now. But you mentioned, uh, David, something about the water being uh, acidic. Um, remind me, is it because the, the calcium acts that way? Or t tell me how it is, like, tell me again how it's bad having hard water and what that calcium and stuff does to your system. Yeah, so it's, it's actually, it's not the calcium that's acidic. It's when you pull the calcium out of the water, that water will become acidic. And that gotcha. Will so start back, back in the 1800s, when they figured that process out, they found out that by pulling the calcium out, it made the water more acidic. Yes. And then they had to figure out how to neutralize it, uh, the, the pH, so it wasn't having that acidic quality to it, I guess. Yeah, and basically what happened is they had places where there was not calcium in the water and the water would eat up the plumbing or whatever they had there. Uh, when they discovered soft water, what happened is actually found an area where the calcium was being removed in the ground naturally and mm -hmm. being replaced with sodium. Gotcha. There was the right amount of sodium there. There was the right amount of stuff that we know as resin today that removed the calcium out and replaced it with the sodium. So you <clears throat> mentioned sodium and we kind of talked about, you know, calcium being not necessarily bad for you, but there are people that I've, I've heard people talk that like, okay, well you're introducing sodium into the water. Like, is that, is that, is that a, a bad thing? Like, is it enough sodium that like, if you got high blood pressure or, you know, whatever that is where you're not supposed to eat salt, like, is that, is that an issue? No, that's actually a great question. I get asked that quite, I get that asked quite often. Uh, -huh. uh so they, they call me the great question asker. Is that <laughs> no one's ever called me that, but if you'd like to start, Mike, <laughs> all right, you are the great question asker. No doubt about it. There it is. See, <laughs> I asked you about Mike Tyson in the shark. That was a great question. You just chose to ignore it. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Keep going. You get asked that question a lot. Yeah. So the old softeners used to pull the calcium out, but they would dump tons of sodium back into the water. And, the way that process actually works is when you remove one grain of calcium, it takes two grains of sodium to replace that. The old ones would pull the calcium out, but you would get thousands of grains of sodium back in. And yeah, that, that is not good to be drinking that water. It was very, very salty. Hmm. Today, with being able to have computer systems inside of these softeners, <clears throat> we can program them to how hard the water is. They watch your usage, and they get that sodium level a lot closer to where it needs to be. So it's not as salty as it used to be. Uh, one of the manufacturers that makes softeners, Clack, they told us that if you drink one gallon of soft water now, it's the same as eating two pieces of buttered toast. That's how much sodium's in it. And that's a whole gallon of water. Hmm. So we've had hospitals have us put them in there now. You couldn't do that if you had all that salt in there. Um, we put them in hotels. I've put them in restaurants. I've had some restaurants have us put it in there to improve their drinking water. Hmm. Um, I have, there's a, a dairy actually up in Heber that had me put in a softener to improve their orange juice, their milk, and all the things that they make. So, yeah, you, you can drink it as long as you've got your softener working correctly and you've got a good quality softener. And when you said uh, the older softeners, can you give us an idea of, because there's different ages of people listening, uh, you know, old to Dwayne means something totally different than old to me. That was a Dwayne's old joke. Oh, but, that was a jab. I'm used to it. I take it. <laughs> I take it well. <laughs> uh, so, so, so tell me like how old 
are the ones where like they were getting more salt than they needed. Yeah. Well, so there's, there's kind of two parts to that question. The, the softeners built before the year 2000, there is some that, that did have the exchange rate closer, but most of those softeners just worked off of pulling the calcium out and putting sodium in the water. Mm. They're called a timer valve. They would just go off every few days, do a backwash process and dump a bunch of salt in there. Uh, around the year 2000 is when you started to find a lot more softeners that would actually be programmed to your water usage and to your water hardness. And they were able to replace that calcium without dumping all that sodium in. So when you start getting to the year 2000, um, and those softeners from then on started getting less salty, but they still do make those timer valves. Those are used on a low-end softener, and they will pull calcium out. They give you soft water, but they give you a ton of salty water. Mm. So unfortunately, you can still buy those today. It's better than having hard water, but that's not water you'd want to drink. Gotcha. Um, I've heard, like you alluded to, like there are places around the country that don't um, necessarily have hard water or that the hardness varies. And when we go to like, you know, some we're members of some trade organizations where, you know, you talk to other plumbers around the country and things like that. It always feels like, you know, and maybe it's just because I talk to the ones that have hard water, but everybody seems to be like, Oh, we got hard water around our parts and you know, water softeners are important things. So is it more common for people to have hard water uh, or is it 50, 50? Like what, what determines uh, you know, that, that hardness, and how does someone know if they have it? That's a that's a really good question. Um, when you look at, there's maps that you can Google. If you Googled hardness throughout the United States, there's maps gotcha. that show the hard areas and soft areas and things like that. And that's all you'd have to Google and it, it would pop up. Um, I would probably say that 75% of the country is hard. Wouldn't, wouldn't That sounds it? about right. If you look at the maps and stuff, I mean, it. you know, I, I think all the West is. I mean, all, almost all the West is hard, but... When we talk about hard and soft water, um, hard water is considered anything over five grains, and we, we measure it in parts per million and grains, and that's how we determine it. But when you test the water, if it's one to five, that's considered soft. Ideally, we like to be down at one, zero or one is, is the goal to consider it soft water. Um, and then five to nine is considered medium hard. Five to nine grains is medium hard. And then anything over nine grains is extremely hard and uh here along the wasatch front we've got areas that tested 45 grains of hardness i don't think we have anywhere that anybody's tested that's less than 11 here have you ever ran into so right here in the valley you'll you'll always be over that mark by quite a ways there is some areas in utah that are lower but they're still hard water yeah it's it's all still hard the um it's you know you talk about bump the mic you talk about the national thing and oftentimes i'll call back to technical support back in tennessee or whatever and and we're trying to troubleshoot something and they'll ask one of the questions they ask well how hard what's the water hardness there where you at and if i say 45 grains you can hear them just fall off the chair in the background going what are you kidding me and they have no idea how hard our water here here is in the west and Mm. so but but there is only one distinguishing thing, and anything over nine grains is extremely hard and extremely abusive and corrosive and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, David, you said the, a word that you used, um, like anything over yeah, that, that nine, nine grains is, what was the word you uh, used? It's destructive. Destructive. Um, 
but then you hear, okay, well, nine, it starts to be destructive. And then you hear 45. So like, <laughs> well, but part of that is it's like you flush the toilet and it breaks. <laughs> yeah. The the water hardness throughout the, the country. When Dwayne was talking about how hard our, our water is here, there's other places where softeners are mandatory when they build a house. Mm. And in those places, their water hardness is like 12 to 14. Mm. So that, that should give you a pretty big, good example of, you know, here we're lucky if we're getting somebody that's 20 grains, 21 grains of hardness. Uh, and, and we get areas of 45, 55. And when we, you call a manufacturer, it just blows their mind how hard our water is. Does that having the, is the hardness of the water that you're treating with a water softener, does that affect the lifespan of it? Like if you're trying to treat 14 grains of hardness versus 45 grains of hardness, does that shorten the lifespan of the water softener? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, water softener resin, if it's good quality, will generally last a very long time, no matter how hard the water is. The chlorine levels in the water are usually what determine how long that resin is going to last. Gotcha. So you've mentioned resin a couple times. Let's actually explain um, how does a water softener work? Okay. So you have resin that sits inside that water softener and they're little teeny round BBs. Uh, pretty good example of one in Utah, our most common one is a 48,000 grain, which means there's 48,000 of those BBs in there. Uh, now, when you say BBs, <clears throat> little that makes ones. them sound bigger than they actually they're, are, they're right? Very, very small. Okay. Yeah, they're 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 teeny. I mean, you got forty eight thousand of these things sitting in a softener. Like, I mean, when I've looked at, like, it looks like large grains of sand. Like, I mean, they're they're like, especially when they come out and they're kind of like clumped together. Like, they 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 are very they're they are very small. They're not small enough that you can't like distinguish that they're individual beads but they are they are really small yeah. david's david's a hunter and so when we're thinking babies we're thinking those copper ones that we used to poke in and shoot your eye out kind of is that thing. not what a bb is well bb's can be any different any <laughs> That's different exactly size <laughs> <laughs> they can be they can't spend a bb gun it's not a bb <laughs> <laughs> well i mean there are smaller bb's that go in shotgun shells and and everything those are else. bb's i always thought that was shot yeah, yeah. anyway no, you yeah, you I, went there. Well, it is. It's shot, but they're BBs. I right? did. Oh, okay, that's cool. I just, I never uh, I never realized that you know that those that that shot was called a BB as well. But it makes sense. Anyway, from guns to uh, <laughs> water, we can stay on guns for a while. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So uh, so you've got these resin, these little bitty beads that are inside. Um, the water softener and there's two i think for most people they think of like there's two parts to the water softener you've got this thin tall tube looking thing and then you've got a, a short a shorter fat round thing that you put the salt and and stuff in right yeah so um so you got the the one that holds the salt is called the brine tank and then that tubular longer thing that's standing up what's that part called so that's that's your softener tank. that's the softener that's the softener then you have your brine tank, which holds the salt. The When the calcium passes past the resin, those little, what we're calling BBs or sand now, um, they will actually expand and retract. And they will grab the calcium and pull it out of the water, and that's when they will replace it with sodium. But you have to have sodium in that water softener tank for that to work. That's why you have that salt tank that sits next to it. it once in a while, it will backwash, suck the salt water in there, mix it with all the resin, 
and then you have the sodium in there to replace that calcium with. Okay. So that's called the ion exchange. It's, it's the process of pulling calcium out and replacing it with sodium. I'm super slow and dense, and so I'm going to like, I, I want to try and visualize how this is working. So with the water softener, the water comes into the, um, the tank that has the resin in it first. Correct. So it comes in there and um, through whatever the ion exchange or that process, the now is there salt water in the resin so or is yes yeah in, okay in, in 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 the actual softener tank the, the thinner one okay there is salt water sitting in that tank got it let me let me dumb it down for you mike yes that's what credit. i need there we go so we talked about chemistry and we talked about that i don't know the chemistry but there's positives and negatives yep so what happens is these little resin beads in here, just like a balloon wiping on your head and sticking to a wall, mm -hmm. you've created some kind of a charge that now it sticks to the wall, right? There we go. Need so that one. Gotcha. So the resin beads and have a charge. They have a charge. And so when, when the water passes through, they're, they're coated with the sodium to begin with. And okay. the water passes through and the sodium says, ooh, wait there's calcium in here and the little bead says, Hey, sodium, get off of me. I want the calcium. And so then that little bead gets coated with calcium and it gives up. And then the, the little bit of sodium that comes out comes through the faucet and out our, and that's where the sodium comes from a little bit in the, in the water. Then when it does a recharge and it, it pulls the brine tank, that's why we have the salt. It pulls that salt, uh, concentrated salt water into the solution. And suddenly all those little beads in there go, wait, I want the sodium. And it kicks out the calcium and sheds it off, coats itself with the sodium this time. And then that process, and then the backwash cycle kicks out the calcium that got rejected. Okay. I think I'm starting to envision it. I, I think it does. I'm going to repeat and you tell me if I'm picking up what you're putting down. So, cause I always thought as, as a homeowner, yeah, I see this big, brine tank that has all the salt and you see a bunch of water in there i wasn't quite sure like how the water flowed through it so the water comes into the resin beads and exits from that spot never goes through the brine tank so as it goes through the resin beads it's almost like the resin beads have uh you know a coating on them that are sodium and then as the water comes through, it replace it. They start to get coated with calcium because it's pulling the calcium out of the water. Water goes through the house and then the regeneration process. Like if you hear it, like I don't regenerate where it like goes through. That is the softener, the thin softener tank pulling the brine water from the brine tank into those resin beads and it's rinsing those resin beads and recoding them recharging. with sozing them or sodium recharging them because we talked about the ion exchange okay that that is makes that, that's correct is that is that right that's exactly right okay cool oh, so i'm glad the expert conferred well <laughs> i i really sometimes i go down a path you know you well know, oh, it's, it's hard not know. to go point dexter with this stuff real fast you know well no no it's good it's but i really am like i've i have had water softener questions for years ever since i like i got one because from from a homeowner's perspective it's like we trust that we like that it's softening the water because we can see the difference and things like that but for me i'm i like to at least understand how it's working and that's one of the reasons that i like the long format of this show is because 
if there are other people out there that are like me that understand how it works, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to all of a sudden be the water softener expert. But if I have someone come out to work on my water softener or to, uh, you know, repair it or to give me a new one or to sell me one, I at least understand how it works and I can kind of see through the sales, you know, jargon that sometimes gets used. So I just was curious about how it works. That makes a whole lot of sense there. Um, what with those water softeners, you mentioned the average one is like 48,000 grains or something like that. Is that yeah, what you yeah. said? In Utah, that's a, that's an average size softener. But then you were also talking about, there's like computer ones that like, uh, you know, that read the softness of the water. So talk me through for those that are listening that might be wondering, you know, okay, I'm looking for a water softener, kind of give us a, a crash course in like the different features and things that are available in those different water softeners. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So the, it comes down to two different type of valve heads is there's a timer valve and a meter valve. Your <clears throat> timer valve does not have a computer in it. They will just go off every few days to make sure there's enough salt inside that softener. That's where you get a lot of sodium. The meter valves are the ones that will have a computer chip in them that will actually, you'll set that for how hard the water is. They will monitor how much water you're using that knows after so many gallons that it has to pull sodium back into that tank to give you soft water. Great. So you have to test the water to find out how hard it is Correct. to give that valve head the the right number. Do people's, uh, this is, sorry, we go all over the place, but that brings up a good question. Do people's, does hardness change? Yes. How often? Like, is it seasonal, like throughout the year, or is it like over, you know, a couple of year period, maybe it gets different. Well, what affects that is the water sources that they're using. Mm -hmm. uh, there is areas, and, and most of Utah it used to just stay the same all the time, but we're growing so much and they're building houses, they're building businesses, they have to bring in more water. And so there is areas where the, <clears throat> the water goes up and down quite a bit. Uh, Bountiful, for an example, in North Salt Lake, they're building out there like crazy. They have a well that is just horrible. They even put it on their website. You can go on there. You can look at it. They don't use it all the time because it's full of calcium. It's got sand and all sorts of garbage in it. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Anyways, they, uh, those areas, the water can go from 30 grains of hardness all the way up to 55. Wow. And the reason is because they don't want to use that well all year. They'll, they'll switch it back and forth. And when they do it, it affects the water dramatically. Mm. Uh, Woods Cross has, has some wells that are really bad, but those are all over the valley. Those are just some examples. Sure. Uh, where I live, um, the water hardness stays pretty close to the same most of the time. Uh, and there's a lot of other areas that do, but you get into some of these areas where there's a lot of houses going into changes. Well, the reason I bring it up is because you, you mentioned, um, that if it does change and someone might think that, okay, it's got a computer in there that measures the hardness. It makes it sound like it's testing the hardness of the water as it's coming in, but that's not the case. So if you have it going correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, if it's going from 30 to 55 and you put the softener in at 30 and it was tested at 30, you set it at 30. It isn't detecting that it jumped up to 50. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. The best way to handle that is if you're in an area where you know what the water hardness is, you want to set it to the high. So there's going to be times a year where you're, you're, you've got it higher than it needs to be, but you will always have soft water. Hmm. So 
how does someone know how hard their water is? If someone's listening and they're like, okay, I look at a little water chart that I Googled and it looks like I might be in an area, you know, of hard water. How do they find out how hard their water is? Well, some of that comes from where areas where it's jumping up and down. Most of that's going to come from experience from the technician that's been to your house because you can test your water and it could be 30 grains of hardness that day. He may know in the past or from other guys that he deals with that that gets all the way up to 50. So he's going to want to set it up to 50. But we do have test kits that we keep on our van that we test the water at every house we go to so we know exactly what it is when we're there that day. What can a homeowner do to test or find out? Well, they, they can call the water provider. Their test results are usually lower than ours. But one of the reasons is when we get the water, it's traveled through all those lines. It's picked up more material by the time it's gotten to you. They test it right at their plant yeah. where everything's getting the cal- the chlorine and everything's getting mixed in. And- yep. You know, doing doing research on this and, you know, with my wife dealing more with it, she can tell sooner than me. Like, that's how... That's honestly how I'm told when to like add salt. <laughs> my, my wife is like the, we need to add salt to the softener. Like, how do you know? Like, well, I can feel it, you know, in the showers. I didn't, and it, t- it took me two batches of shampoo thing to wash right. my hair there. The women, they're so calculated on, they just get exactly the right size of, of dollop and they know how much suds they're going to get and rinse. And us as guys, man, sometimes it's like a little teeny bit. Other times it's a whole lot. We mm-hmm. don't really pay attention, but you're right. The, the so, women in the. So anyway, they, they do these test kits that you carry on the truck. You can actually get an inexpensive, uh, you know, test kit if you were curious, uh, you know, uh, from you can go to Amazon and just look up a uh, hard water test kit. And it's got the little vial, uh, you know, where you put the little powder in and you add the water from your tap and then you like do these little droplets and every drop is a grain of hardness until it turns a certain color. You know, those are those are pretty easy way for you. If you wanted to like test it yourself, most, I I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, a plumber should be able to test that. If you, if you knew a plumber or if you called a plumbing company, could they come out and test the hardness of your water? Yeah. They they should always be able to test your water. Okay. So, um, but there, there are different kinds of hard water test kits because there's another one that my wife has, um, that was given to us by the people that installed the water softener where it's got this solution. And I would assume that it's just soap. Like you put a drop of soap in there or whatever this, you know, liquid was, you put water in it and then you shake it. And if it doesn't make suds, it's hard. And if it makes suds, it's soft. Now that, that test doesn't tell you how hard or soft it is. And I'm be honest. I was like, man, that sounds crazy. You're just going to get some suds and say this is soft water. But I, I did it. I test. I had both test kits and I did that. And I, I did the little shaky shake test and no suds when it was hard water and suds when it was soft water. It was actually, it was actually kind of cool. But anyway, which we do want to come back to that. That's a, the that's suds. A, that's I was actually just part. about to there go there, go. but did I get distracted on something? <laughs> I'm trying to figure nope. out, is there somewhere nope. else? Nope. So, so talk to me about that suds test. Why? Cause you mentioned, you know, it's interesting. I've never, I've heard people say a dollop of sour cream. I've never heard someone say a dollop of shampoo, which you did. No, don't try to say you did. It, it, it might be a little lo- rural colloquial, colloquial, colloquialism. <laughs> 
<laughs> least I can say rural. It's true. Rural. You can also say dollop. dollop. Is <laughs> it dollop go. or dallop? Dollop. I remember um, a, a a campaign, an advertising campaign for some sour cream and maybe that's why i'm connecting a dollop of sour cream because i had never said dollop of sour cream until i saw this commercial where they're like oh it's a daisy is the name of the sour cream anyway i just thought it was funny okay i noticed dollop i don't know i i get distracted sometimes we already established that there's there's things that you know that old people do maybe no maybe i don't know i i was i was tempted there to like start talking about old things and ask your opinion on it, but I'm not. We're just going to talk about suds okay. and why <laughs> why soft water uh, sudses more. Because that's one of the things. When I was sold a softer, a water softener, they were they said, you know, oh well, because you know, like a typical salesperson, they're trying to justify. Here's how much money you can save, uh, you know, with with one because you're going to not have to use as much detergent and all of this other things. And that's not why I bought it, but Tell me why it suds, sudses more. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons is half of what's in soap is there to soften the water. So when you have a softener in your house, you've just doubled, basically like doubled your soap usage right there. Hmm. You know, kind of. And so if you're, you're got a softener and you're putting a lot more soap or you're putting your regular soap on you, you're going to get a lot more of that soapy feeling. Like Dwayne kind of mentioned that earlier. And that's the same with the, the suds. You got a higher concentration of what's supposed to be in there and you're shaking it. You're going to get a lot more suds out of that. Gotcha. So that's why they use that soap shake. And that, that test works. Uh, it just doesn't give you the test you need to, to program a softener. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're definitely going to have more soapy water when you use soap. Mm-hmm. But that's because you, don't have, you can use half the amount of soap. Gotcha. You know, you can, you can take your laundry after you have a softener, use half the amount of laundry soap you normally use, and your clothes are going to come out cleaner. Hmm. That's the same with your dishes. Gotcha. Any other things about soap suds or testing? Are there test strips? I don't know. I don't know the answer so to this. I haven't seen a, a test strip for hardness. I mean, there might be one. Most of the tests. That's test, more for pH, isn't it? Yeah, pH balance and things like chlorine that. Chlorine and. Chlorine tests. Um, most of the time you're wanting to find if there's calcium in that water, not what the calcium levels are. So it kind of comes down to the soap shake test. Uh, we have a, a test kit where you actually find out how hard the water is. And there's other test kits out there, but that's basically the two that you're going to find. Gotcha. Yep. So, you know, um, Austin and I were, we, we got our hands on this, uh, hard, this hard water tester where you could actually find out how hard your water was. Cause we've alluded to on a different episode that, you know, more than five or five is considered hard. And then that goes up from there. And Austin came back uh from his house tell tell us uh the story because you seemed a little freaked out you how hard is is the water supposed to be oh yeah because i was like like you guys have been saying nine was the hardest it said it was supposed to be so i went home and i'm testing it i'm dropping those little drops in i'm dropping i'm dropping it doesn't change and so i have to like refill the little vial and i'm dropping (laughs) i'm dropping i have to refill that vial three times it was i think it was i'm trying to remember when you guys were talking it was like 29 or even more maybe like hardness and I was like I'm dying my my skin's poisoned I'm gonna die <laughs> but it just is super hard compared to what because it only goes to nine like you guys are saying so you know so I guess that's one of the questions is because someone asked on social um, with the quality of the water is when you add the soft their their question specifically was uh, when you the soft water can that cause 
children to develop, uh, you know, skin irritations or like a rash or something like that. Can soft water do that? I've heard that soft water was better for the skin. So I talk to me too. about the so the health aspect of it. Soft water generally prevents things like that. Uh, eczema, which I have a son that has that, and calcium and chlorine can both make that quite a bit worse. Mm. So when you put a softener in a house with somebody who's having problems with that, you remove that and then their skin's a lot better. And I have had people have me to their home specifically for that, specifically, and we've put them in and it's made a big difference on them. I haven't had anybody ever have a skin rash from a softener. Gotcha. I don't know what would what anybody would what would be the reason they would have that. They weren't claiming that soft water was causing it. I I went on social media and was like, "Hey, we're going to be recording a podcast episode about softeners. I want your questions." And that was just one of the questions you know, that they asked. There was a guy uh, a while ago that he was having a lot of skin problems, and he kept blaming his water softener. And he'd had the technicians out from another company that put that in. He'd had some other plumbers out. And when I went out, I found out the problem was the software wasn't working correctly. And mm -hmm. actually, the hard water that was coming through his line that was causing a skin irritation. So a lot of times people will mix up um, what's actually causing their problem. And, you know, they're going to blame the softener. But that's actually calcium that's causing the problem. Your softener is supposed to stop that from happening. Gotcha. So those minerals and that hardness in the water that gets on the skin can dry it out, can exaggerate or not exaggerate, uh, exacerbate or like, you know, amplify eczema or skin issues. Um, things like that. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So, um, I'm going to actually, I guess this is a good segue to go into the questions, uh, unless there's any other just generic things Like we got a lot of questions that came in from social. And I think we'll cover a lot more stuff if we just start kind of going through, uh, these questions. So first question that was asked, obviously, you know, advantages of a softener. So we, I mean, we just talked about, you know, for the skin, um, but we've talked about some of the dangers or not dangers, but, um, the effects of hard water. So let's talk about some of the advantages of a water softener. For me, one of the biggest advantages for, <clears throat> for your water softener is the longevity you're going to get in your plumbing system. You know, I, if you don't have a water softener, you'll probably notice a lot of calcium buildup or it'll be the, the white mm -hmm. buildup around your faucets or on your shower door. It's really hard to clean. That's that's the calcium. And so you'll find that um, having soft water really reduces or eliminates that altogether. So that's a that's a huge advantage of having a water softener. So water spots on your dishes, on your showers, especially if you have like a glass shower door that you can like see those. Uh, show up and then um, on the plumbing fixtures themselves is that what you were saying yeah you'll see where right where the water comes out or possibly on the handles themselves you'll start seeing the white buildup and it's really hard to clean inside your toilet is another area where you see a lot of buildup in calcium kind of white ring that gathers right around the it seems like in the toilet so it's 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 not as white as the white porcelain so even though it's like a white buildup, it, it looks more like an off-white. Is that the same? It, yeah. it can uh, kind of change colors and get a little bit of a green or a brown color to it. Gotcha. And that, that's where you really see it in a toilet. Gotcha. And the really ugly part of that is that's what you do see. You know, like David mentioned in the beginning, a lot of what you don't see is what's inside your, your plumbing system that's really wreaking havoc. What's inside your water heater? What's what's inside your dishwasher and the lines going in and out of those and the piping, what's the piping themselves. The piping. Yeah. That's, that's where you'll 
find major damage happening is what you cannot see. Yeah. It's interesting that, uh, you know, you can install this one appliance, this water softener, and it can lengthen the life of so many other things in your home, water heater, dishwasher, washing machine, uh, not to mention the, you know, the fixtures themselves. uh, And it just helps the maintenance of all of the the things in your home. Because one of the things that I've noticed with uh, maintenance, with all the different systems and things in the house, one of the biggest things you can do that's a positive for maintenance is cleaning. And so, you know, that soft water being able to like get that calcium off or preventing the calcium from being there uh, is a big thing. What are some other advantages of a water softener? Are there any? Well, you've, you've covered most of them. Uh, there's quite a few people, especially women that love it for their hair. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have softer hair. It's not going to be, you're going to get dry cracked hair. A softener can help with that quite a bit. Um, there is hair salons that will have them put in just for that reason. Interesting. Uh, next question. What should someone look for when they're buying a softener? Well, I think, you know, definitely do your research. You want to understand what you're getting. Um, If you don't know enough about them, um, make sure you're talking to a professional. Um, It needs to be sized properly. Um, We talked about the amount of water that goes through that. You have to get the right salt exchange in that. And so if it's not sized sized properly, um, and then also understanding exactly what your water hardness is, those three things are crucial in, in making a decision. Uh, David also mentioned the, the computerized version versus the timered version. Uh, you'd want to try to stay away from the timered if you want it more efficient and, and really the better, the better option for sure. Scott, where does, where does sizing come into play and how does that, how does that work? How important yeah. is that? Dwayne, yeah. wait, before you answer that, I just want to like give props. That was the exact, like, that's where my mind was going question-wise. Dude, you've been. I'm across from you. It, it just emanates. It the wears... great question asker, Mike. Now I can say people call me that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. So, yeah, <laughs> that was a good question. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. The size of the home and the amount of people that are in there, um, it really all comes down to how much water comes through your system. How much are you using? So even a, even a family that has very few people in the home, if you use a lot of water, um, you're going to need a larger softener. So a family like mine, where we have lots of us there, we, we need a larger softener. The 48 is typically what I would install in my home for a larger family. But if there's just a couple of you in the home, it's possible you could go smaller, but it's really based on the amount of water that you're using. So the size of it is essentially how many beads you have in in the water softener tube part right Right. so it's not necessarily so if you get one go ahead yeah so i mean and part of that sizing comes into play the the more beads that you have Uh uh-huh the the longer it is before it regenerates they use a fair amount of water to regenerate Uh in, in that cycle i mean they do use some some water to do it and if you're if you buy too small of a softener or undersize it, that thing can still regenerate every three or four days to keep up with it. And then you're, you're just, you, it's, it's not wasting cause it's part of the process, but they do use a, a, a bit of water in that process. And so if you can get a larger one, then it's going to regenerate less. One of the computer ones that we use, I mean, it'll, one of them will regenerate every thousand gallons, I think is the smallest one. And then, 
1500 gallons and then 2000 yeah, and that's and, kind of time about how hard the water is yeah, uh, it, but the bigger it is the less time it's gonna have to regenerate so you're gonna have more soft water to keep up with your demand that's also a savings cost yeah you know, use consider less salt, that less salt less, salt, water. less water to regenerate so if you have uh like how how big size-wise or how many thousands you know of little bead resins how big do they go they get, they get huge, massive. I mean, Sorry, for a residential application. So they, for, for, for a home. This is, this is in the house, yeah. not in the warehouse. Well, we have some big ones in some houses. Okay, T tell me. Uh, Generally, a common size is usually 32,000 grains up to about 70,000. Okay. Uh, in Utah, because our water's so hard, the 32,000 grains have a really tough time keeping up with the usage. So here you're either going to be putting a 48 or a 70. We have had to put in bigger in areas where there's just a lot of people living in a house, a lot more plumbing, harder water. You know, and those can be like 90,000 grain, 90, grains and 180,000 grain tanks. So if you have a home, let's say that you come out, you test the hardness, uh, they size it, and they're like, hey, um, a 48,000 grain softener is going to work for you. Is it more efficient if you spend a little bit more money and get the 70,000? Yes. So they'll give you your options of what will work. But there is always something that will work a little better. Gotcha. There's lots we can do with water. Gotcha. So the size of it is really just the capacity of how much water it can soften. And the, because are the tubes, are they essentially, are they close to the same size? Like the tubes that hold the resin beads? No, you'll have, you're going to have a bigger tank on the resin beads. Um, you need to because you got to be able to. When a soft regenerates, there's got to be some movement inside there without the mm -hmm. resin. And so they have to actually increase the size of the tank to fit all those in there. Are the resin beads all the same size and it's really just about the number of resin beads in there? Well, there's there's different quality resins also. Okay. Uh, but actually for just for sizing for a home, you're going to want to worry about the amount of resin that's in the soft. Okay. Because when, when we got ours, I and this comes back to like where I – like I didn't quite understand what they were like, you know, telling me about how it worked. But I, I always thought that like there were different size resin beads and that. But from this conversation, it sounds like it's more about how many yeah. resin yeah, beads it's you about got. The amount. So basically when it comes down to, to the quality. If you got a technician that comes out and he, he tests your water, he finds out how many bathrooms, how many people live in the house and he sizes your softener to fit you, you're, you're probably going to get a pretty good quality software. That's what you want to look for. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but, but someone shouldn't necessarily think that they're being, uh, you know, taken advantage of or, or quote unquote upsold if they're, if they size it and they're like, Oh, but you can get a bigger, uh, you know, water softener. There are advantages to getting Absolutely. one that's bigger in the long run. They're going to use less salt and have less water usage through it using less salt means carrying less bags downstairs you know i don't know when i get a new house which hopefully will happen someday i know my wife wants this to happen sooner than it probably <laughs> will but when it happens i think i might go through the expense of moving the softener into the garage <laughs> so that the salt can be unloaded from the truck and not hauled down the basement Ugh, that's annoying you do, you do have to be careful here where we get so cold about oh really all the plumbing that's out there a lot of people will put the brine tank you can put the salt tank in that garage yep. and leave that softener down in the house i mean salt water is not going to freeze mm. just run um, a little pipe up to it from the basement and things yeah. and that doesn't make it like less efficient 
to oh. just have the brine tank in the garage. But nope. it is great. it is true also depending on what type of softener you're buying. Some won't allow that to happen. So you really have to understand, you know, if maybe if you're going to a hardware store, that ability isn't there versus if you have a plumber talking to you about it, it's more likely that you'll be able to put it in your garage. Gotcha. A longer okay. run requires a little bit larger pipe than, ah. than usually is what provided with the softener. I see. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So the, the size of the, the, the resin, um, the, um, the type of head that you have, those are the types of things. Do a little bit of research. Listen to this podcast if you're thinking about uh, you know, getting a water softener. There's a little micro clip. You can just use that. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Some Somebody asked, well, how do I know if I'm getting a good deal on a water softener? Because we were talking about there's all kinds of different technologies or different sizes. How do, how do I know that? Because everybody wants a good deal, right? Everybody wants to make sure that they're not spending more than they need to for what they're getting. So how do I know if I'm getting a good deal on a softener? Scott, I think. Really comes down to the quality of what you're getting. I, I agree with that, too. <laughs> You know, and if, if you're, if you're We're getting a in. softener from a, a technician that comes out and does all the processes we talked about, uh-huh. uh, that, that's where you're getting your good deal. Cause you got something going in your house. It's going to use less salt. Uh, it's going to use less water and you're going to have cleaner dishes. Your plumbing's going to last longer. There's all the value there where if you're, you know, you're going out and you're getting something that's just really low end and you're just having somebody put in your house as a technician, doesn't understand it. You're going to use more salt. They're going to use more water. You may not always be getting soft water. And then down the road, it's not going to last as long. You know, American Water Heaters did a study and found that the average water heater that's quality, or water softener that's quality, lasts about 15 years. The low-end softeners usually last about six. Hmm. So, you know, if you're, you buy the right softener up front, you're going to have something that works great for a very long time. Gotcha. That's, that's, that's good. That was another question that people had is like, how, how long do they last? And uh, Scott and Dwayne's favorite answer to give is it depends. it depends, but that was, this was the best example of a I, telling you I how learned, long something I learned lasts. Just something right there. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's good. Okay. So, but, but I think on Scott, do you want to talk about how you just need to feel comfortable? I mean, there's, there's people out there that are salespeople mm-hmm. that will sell you anything. And I think that, go ahead. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. Th- thanks for I the lead, Dwayne, leading you question keep, there. You keep throwing it to Scott <laughs> like, like you want him to say something. Yeah, Maybe you should say it. I do. Go for it, Scott. <laughs> he can say it so much better. <laughs> can he? I don't think so. That was pretty good, Dwayne. Uh, when it comes to, and it's it's really hard to have this discussion about value because um, everybody's different. Your, your perceived value and what you feel is fair is going to be different across the board. For me, it's it's dealing with somebody or people that that I feel comfortable with and that I know understand the entire process. If you're buying a softener from somebody that doesn't test your water, like that right there's a big a big red flag for me because they're not doing the due diligence to to understand your system cuz your system's different than your neighbors. So Perceived value is always a very complicated and difficult discussion, but for each and every person, make sure you're working with individuals or companies that you feel comfortable with. The price ranges are going to be all over the board, just like anything, any vehicle you buy, prices are all over the place. But you know, when you feel comfortable about your purchase it's usually based on your experience and the people that you're working with. So 
that's what I would suggest. Make sure your experience is good and make sure that the company that you're working is doing the due diligence to get you the right options to, so that you can make a good decision. It's going to be an investment. You alluded to this earlier, Mike, that yeah, it's, it's an investment, but what are you saving in the long run? Your water heater, your dishwasher, all of your fixtures. It's an, it's one of the greatest investments you can have for your plumbing system in your home. Um, so yeah, there you go. Hopefully that answered it the way you wanted it, Dwayne. What did I say? <laughs> Nobody could say it better than He's, that. He said it well. He did. He just it, it was just funny the way you kept trying to get him to say it. <laughs> you're like you're like uh, Scott. I think uh, you can explain it, Scott. Scott, I know. Uh, this don't is you want to say something more, Scott? This is uh, inside of you. Scott. I know it's waiting to come out. My wife's laughing right now, thinking, "Well, I do the same thing to him." <laughs> So uh, does brand make a difference? I mean, I couldn't even tell you what brand of softener I have down in my basement right now. And I can't think of, even when I try, I can't think of a brand of water softener. So does brand make a difference? Actually, I guess I can think of one because there's a company that's done pretty good uh, uh, branding of, of their softener. But like, I can't think of any other. So does brand make a difference? So what happens is you'll take a manufacturer will make a softener. And then several companies will buy it from and they'll put their own name on it. And so not necessarily is the brand name, if depending on which company's putting it, is, is what's important is who manufactured it, where did it come from. Gotcha. Uh, that, that's what you really want to look into. So you want to know the manufacturer. Yeah, ask, ask them who made the valve head. That's one of the most important parts of your softener. Is it important who made it or how it works? Well, if, if who made it, made it how, I mean, they're going to make it work correctly right okay well then what I mean, what manufacturer should they be looking for well there there's several out there uh I, I particularly like clack quite a bit they make a really good quality water softener okay but people aren't going to be able to find a clack softener because everybody's uh private well, labeling them that's, right that's where it's good because if you're able to act your technician hey what, what valve head is this if he's answering you what valve head it is you know that right off the bat you're probably getting something good in your home because he already understands the softener. I mean, they, they can have all sorts of names on it, but the technicians generally know who, who the manufacturer who's, is. Yeah, who's building that softener. Gotcha. And by, and by that, he's talking about the actual computerized head and the gears and the motion and the process that all goes through. Because a tank is a tank. Yeah, all, I mean, that's just the top part that the right. pipes are coming in, right? Right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Are there... We, we talked about different levels of, of softness. Actually, I guess, are there, like, can you, you talk about five can you being over hard. Soften. Yeah. Can like you, it, you get to zero is like neutral, but can you go like too soft? Like what are the, now, are there different levels of softness? So one thing with that terminology is you cannot actually over soften water because you can't, it's impossible because the Chemistry. process is removing calcium and, ex and exchanging it for sodium. That is going to happen at a certain amount of time, no matter, no matter how high you have your softener set for, let's say it's 21 grains of hardness, you're going to pull out 21 grains of calcium and replace it with sodium. That's soft water. Anything you're getting beyond that could be salty water. So Got it. There's a big difference. You can't over soften, but you can over salt. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And that's what those timer valves do. The gotcha. ones we were talking about earlier. Uh, as long as you're setting that to how hard your water is, that is what you want. You don't want to go less than that because you're defeating the purpose of your softener. 
and, is, and then with over softening too so say 20 is good well maybe 55 is better then all you're doing is just wasting a bunch of product that's correct it, it, you're, you're just you're not making the machine itself or the appliance itself be as efficient as are, it can be are you uh like there there's a tester to determine how hard the um water is but is there a way that like because for the little test that you shake and it changes colors and it's got the little dropper thing you know once it turns purple or blue i don't know which way blue. it goes but like once it turns blue that means that it's soft um but is there a is the test of it too salty like if you can taste salt in the water it's too salty or like is there some other measurement does that make sense? Where yeah. So once the softener is installed and you have a work, you can use your, like the test kits we use will tell us if we've got soft water there. Uh, generally, if you're getting a really strong salty taste, there's something else going on uh, besides the problem with, there's probably not a problem with the softener, maybe a problem somewhere else in your plumbing that's causing that once the softener's in. For example, if it's running through a filter, like through a refrigerator, Instead of having calcium stuck in there, which you're used to tasting, you're going to start getting sodium stuck in there. Mm. And then you're going to start tasting the salt. So the ice might taste different. Yeah. So, well, the way you do that is you remove the filter from the refrigerator and you'll actually get cleaner ice and better ice. But if you leave that filter in there, you're going to get more salt in that water. I ran a line from my RO system to my uh, ice maker, which I like because the waters or the ice is clear and it's like tastes good or gets doesn't taste <laughs> yeah so um all right as you were as you were talking about that you were saying like if the water softener is not working uh properly because when you think about okay my softener is not working that means that i'm getting hard water can it break in the other way where it's just getting too much salt yeah because yes. like at, at my house I have, I've there's been a couple of mornings where i've woken up and i turn the water on and it is like you can see how salty it is and you can taste it. And what happened, I don't know why it did, but it got stuck in the middle of a regeneration cycle or something like that. And so all the salt water from the brine tank is still in the, I'm assuming from what I'm understanding how it works now, it's in the tube now. And that's what I'm getting at the fixtures. Cause all I have to do is like run those for a little bit or go regenerate the water softener and it fixes it. Yeah. So most water softeners are, are preset to backwash at two o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm because that gives it time to backwash and then most people aren't using water there for a few hours after for it to settle. Um, if you're using water earlier, you can get that sodium and that well, sodium. I'm not waking up at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, it is possible that your your softener went off a little later. Got it. Um, so there, there's times where power can go out in the middle of the night. If if it's by chance it's on the one day that your softener is regenerating and the power goes out, as run can't tell to stop yeah, it's just gonna keep regenerating and it's just one of those things that happens when the power comes back on it will finish through the process and finish what it's supposed to do so if that's happening at my place um it, it could be that it is not necessarily like it didn't necessarily stop in the middle of a regeneration cycle you were saying something about it has to settle yes so um, it could be that it hadn't settled and so I'm getting saltier water off the top. Yeah. Is that, is yeah, that? Cause basically you've just taken a bunch of calcium that was stuck in that softener and removed mm -hmm. it from your water. You have replaced it with a bunch of sodium and a bunch of salt. That thing's been fluffing all that resin in there and all that sodium is mixed up in there and it has to settle. And if it hasn't settled yet and you turn on your taps, you will get it through the tap a little bit. Got it. 
So we had a couple of questions about um, a tankless water softening system. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard some things on the radio where someone was like, you know, there's saltless softeners and like, talk to me about some of the different products that people are like the different, is there a tankless water softener system? So what would that mean Intel is people are probably wondering if there's systems that don't require salt. Okay. And there is systems on the market where they claim they don't use salt. They do change the water, but they do not soften the water. Those are not water softeners. They will, they can remove chlorine. They can clean the little water a little bit, but they will not remove calcium. And that's what our problem is here in Utah is the calcium. And you can get a softener that will do all that, remove chlorine, make the water cleaner, plus soften it. But if you're, if you're not using sodium, you cannot soften water. It's impossible. We often, we often can confuse water softeners <clears throat> with water conditioners. Mm-hmm. And so what David's talking about is that actual process of the ion exchange is softening. And it, that there's only softeners can do that. For the, so I've heard, I heard somebody, and I, I don't know the technology or whatever, but like someone saying that they could accomplish this with citrus of some kind. Or, so they, what they do is they use citrus to try to break down the calcium. Uh-huh. It doesn't pull the calcium down to a softening level. But citrus acid is not good for your plumbing. That's bad for your... It eats galvanized and brass fittings. It'll actually put holes in them. Really? And, yeah, cop- so I'd, and I'd, copper. And copper. Yeah, that's definitely a product you want to stay away from if they're using that. So the 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 negative effects they're trying to remove from the calcium, they're just <laughs> introducing Another you know problem. other yeah. other problems. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, can when when they installed my water softener, the entire house was plumbed with soft water except at the kitchen tap and they kept the cold side hard. Why do they do that? Like they told me that like, uh, you know, if you want to water your plants or do something like that, because they said that you can't or you shouldn't water a plant with soft water. Okay. Talk to me about that. So, yeah, they do that because we're pulling the minerals out of the water Mm -hmm. and plants do better with minerals. So if you have hard water at your kitchen tap and you're using that to water your house plants, they're going to do a little bit better. Now, with the systems that we have now, we're talking about how they're metered and they have the computer in them. People can water their grass with that. Mm. They water plants with it and they do just fine. But there is some plants that do not, they won't live with soft water. It will kill them. There's not a lot of them, but there is some. So if you guys were to come to my house and like I was replacing my water softener, would, would you do every fixture cold and hot? Like, would I have soft water on the cold tap of my kitchen? Or would you still recommend not putting uh, hard or not putting soft water at the cold tap in the kitchen? You know, so you can have it at that kitchen tap. Mm -hmm. It's really going to come up to what you want to do. If you have a lot of house plants in your house and you already have hard water on the cold side of your kitchen, I would recommend leaving it that way. If we came into a house and they wanted a softener. They didn't want all the sheetrock removed and a whole bunch of things done that we would have to to make that cold side hard in the kitchen. There's no problem with just having it on soft water. Now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if they didn't do any of my cold fixtures because I've got a mana block downstairs. 
where and like the kitchen line is going into that thing. So that could bring up a question that somebody would have is you don't want your software to only be on the hot side and not on the cold side. You, you don't, don't want that. No, you need to have it on both cuz but your washing machine if you're using warm water, yeah, it's mixing. It is mixing and you don't lose you don't make your hard side soft, you actually make your soft side hard. And so you're you're losing your soft water when that happens. Wait. What? So, so if you have a hot, I'm using my hands. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to explain with my hands. We're on the. No, no, no. It wasn't <laughs> your hands. I'm just. I'm trying to. What are we making in, instead of making the hot? So the what, hot and hard and hard and hot. What, what happens? You've got soft water coming in on your hot side. Yes. If you okay. have. Okay. So let me just set and, this up so that I'm understanding. And, and if anyone else that was listening was confused, so in a situation where you only have the hot side of your water system soft. Yes. Okay, now continue. Okay. So you have soft water coming through that hot side. Yes. And now you have hard water coming through the cold side of yes. the plumbing. They meet together to give you your warm water. Uh-huh. What happens in when they meet is it takes that hard water and it mixes with that soft water and it makes it hard. So your hot water would actually become hard gotcha. coming out of that mixed with the soft water. So it, you lose all your effects of it. it. You know, your coals won't come out as bright. Um, you're going to have to use more soap because you're back to hard water. The only thing you're protecting with that is your water heater. Uh-huh. It will help your water heater and your dishwasher. Sure. But, you know, if you're, you're still going to have spots on your shower yeah. because that calcium You don't have still soft water at your shower anymore. Doesn't help your toilet. I am going to go test every cold side in my house now. <laughs> yeah. I didn't with even the, think of with that. With the mana block system, it's very easily on those to isolate and bring the hard water source in and just cap off that one line so there's a very good chance that there's an offshoot that go to your your outside faucets and your kitchen sink it's possible but i don't know if they did because i doesn't matter anyway okay yep. so I'm, I'm gonna go test some things there at my go. house um okay so we talked about that um do we with the watering um uh, do we want to talk about potassium chloride versus sodium chloride is there any advantage to that i'm so in in my home, in my home, I use potassium chloride instead of sodium chloride. It's still a salt. It does the same thing. Um, I potassium is better for your body than sodium is at, at points and and things like that. But the reason I started doing that was because of the plants. My wife had African violets all throughout our master bedroom, clear upstairs, and I didn't want to have to have her a couple times a week dragging a five gallon bucket up there to water the plants and so I use the potassium chloride um, they are interchangeable the disadvantage is potassium chlorides gosh over 30 bucks a bag versus sodium chloride that's anywhere from $30 water softener salt maybe? yeah you know it's my choice it's that's my cool. choice um, I didn't know that they got that expensive it, it is it actually makes me think now because I went and on it's hard to find sure I went on Amazon one time and like looked because I mean who wants to lug water softener salt from the store to your truck to the car so i was looking for a way to like maybe get it delivered and it was for a bag of softener salt it was like 50 bucks and i was like so maybe i was looking at like the fancy salt and it but i i just assumed it was like a four dollar bag and it was just really expensive shipping <laughs> <laughs> really i don't well, know shipping might have been added on that for sure yep. anyway okay so i mean you, you you went into uh the salt side of it so let's talk about the different i w- i didn't even i didn't even know that there were different kinds of salt that you could use are there just those two well the potassium uh that doing some of that 
back when the all softeners is, is were potassium tiny? like what you get when you eat bananas? Yes, potatoes, mm. bananas, potassium. Sorry. <laughs> No, you're going to be hungry by the end of this. Oh, I'm always hungry. <laughs> and yeah, when we get up talking about food. All right, sorry. So uh, you were talking about putting uh, well, bananas in your softener. Uh, yeah, yeah. Banana softeners. Uh, bananas are soft. It makes it. <laughs> is it the potassium that makes them soft? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh Here we had to go. Is that true? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> I don't think about the banana softeners. <laughs> all right, so potassium so in your softener. Back when all softeners were timer valves, uh-huh. um, and so you're getting loads and loads of sodium in your system, potassium they did find was better to use than salt. The disadvantage was the fact that it was, it's so expensive. Uh, we have it now to where that exchange rate's a lot closer, so like we're talking about, there's not as much salt going through your system like it used to, so it's not as big of a deal as it used to be. But potassium is easier on plants, and it is... A little better for your body if you want to go the route of potassium so when i like the question i had that i've had for years because i keep getting different opinions on this that when i think about the different kinds of salt i'm thinking pellets versus crystals or crushed you know salt tell me what <laughs> so the the pellets is something they take and they refine it's it's pretty clean the rock salt's not as refined it's not as clean so as for how it works in your softener, they're going to work just the same, but you're going to get cleaner salt if you're using pellets. There, we we live close to Great Salt Lake. Some of that salt they skim off the Great Salt Lake. That's not in the pellets that's been cleaned. The rock salt you can dump it in your or the the grains you can dump it in your softener and sometimes get a bag that smells like the Great Salt Lake, hmm. which is pretty horrible. And if you're using pellets, there's a less likely chance of that happening. The softener is going to clean it through, but over time, your softener brine tank will still cleaner if you stay cleaner longer if you use the brine tank. Uh, pellets, sorry. Gotcha. So pellets are going to be cleaner salt. Now, does if you use the crystals that aren't as refined, that aren't as clean, it, are the impurities and the dirt or, or whatever that might be in that um, salt, is that going to um, hurt your softener? Is it going to shorten the life of it? Not at all. And it's not going to, most of that's going to stay right there in that brine tank mm. and wash down the drain and wash the, down the, the drain. The, yeah. The you're not going to get that in your home. What I, I see solar salt and that, and that's legitimate question. I don't know, but I see like when you go to the big box stores or whatever, you see three different types of salt and you've got the, the, the granules, which is the cheap bag, the three to $4 a bag. You seem to have a five to six dollar a bag, and then there's like a seven to nine dollar a bag that's labeled solar salt. Well, any I've never been able to find out what the difference what it, what is between is. those two. Uh, most salt is 40 bags when you go to the hardware store, or 40 pounds a bag. Uh, if you go buy it from a plumbing outfit, it's usually be 50 pound bags, that's gonna take up the price. But I don't know what the difference is between the solar and the and it could be just a brand name label. Sure. I mean, and it could be just, hey, we're branding I've this. I've seen that solar salt that you're talking yeah, about. And this is our brand, it, and maybe they just market it as being a higher-priced yeah. Cadillac or BMW or something. So See, old-school Cadillac, Cadillac. That's not the thing. Sorry. I, see, I know what you mean, though. When you, like, maybe I'm at that in-between age. <laughs> Your dad. <laughs> maybe. Uh, okay, so, okay, so from pellets versus um, crystals – doesn't matter i mean like it it does it still does the job yes and the only thing is that that impurities and so you get a more refined cleaner salt so if it doesn't 
if it doesn't matter as far as the job that it does and the impurities don't hurt the softener and they're cheaper, like, could you just use that? Or do you recommend pellets? So you, you I, I recommend the pellets. Okay. And the reason is because sometimes people have that, they open that salt tank and it just smells like the Great Salt Lake and it about blows them over. Mm. Uh, if they're using the pellets, there's less chance of that happening. Gotcha. We also run into something called salt bridging. Mm-hmm. And Didn't you want me to talk about that? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That was a great... Scott, you're a great question asker. <laughs> there's, there's something... <laughs> There's something called um, bridging. Was, for those that are not like that, that didn't see, I was wondering what you were doing with the. And, uh, for those I, that I couldn't like, hear what I was doing, I'm, Dwayne I'm had these bridge, like hand I'm motions. making bridge sounds with my hands. And I couldn't figure out what under it was the that you were doing. <laughs> All right. He sorry. wanted me to talk again. Yeah. Scott, you, you probably can explain this very well. Yeah. I'm really good at bridging. Um, bridging the gap. Yes. Let's bridge the gap of that. There's something called bridging where the where the salt almost creates like like an ice an ice sheet. You know, when ice freezes over, you have the thick layer. Salt will do a similar thing where it actually makes a bridge, and the water that is needed to to draw that into the softener is below that, and so you're not even getting salt movement. Um, so that that's why pellets are better. They're heavier. They seem to last longer. I've tried both in my home. The The pellets seem to last a little bit longer than the granulars. So those are the, the couple of reasons. It's funny that you bring up smell because when my first softener was put in, that plumber seemed to think that, that the crystals were better. And his reasoning was because, and to your point about like the pellets last longer, he was saying that the, um, that the crystals will dissolve better that they'll like more salt will get into the water more, more surface area yeah that... but i was one thing that i noticed was it it always smelled really bad and then when our next softener was put in the the guy in the brine tank there's like this little thing that has a chemical that like drips down into it and he said that that would like help with the smell and so anyway i don't know but about that time i switched to pellets <laughs> and so it did help with the smell, it, but now I can't tell if it was the... It, it really doesn't matter, but, you know, for for our homeowners that are there, if you've got a softener and and you go down and you're not using one to two bags a month and that level's never, never dropping and you notice that there's an issue, there very well could be a salt bridge. It doesn't mean your softener's broken down. could just mean a matter of getting a broom handle down in there and kind of chipping it down and watching the whole thing fall down so that the the water solution in the bottom of the brine tank comes in contact with the salt. So this is kind of uh, going to lead me into my next batch of questions. Uh, you know, the salt bridge was a really good segue in there. Um, first one, how, how low can you let the salt get? Like, because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that forget to add salt to it or you wait until you're feeling the hard water effects like does it hurt the softener if you let the salt get if you let the salt run out or let it get too low it it won't hurt the softener but you will start getting hard water back through your system but it doesn't hurt the like the function okay so yes yes you don't get soft water but it it isn't 
it doesn't shorten the life of the water softener. No, not at all. Okay. But when you do put salt in it, it can take you up to a week to get your soft water back. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, when you what happens, you've got hard water all through your system now. You've got it in your hot water heater. Uh, you put the salt okay. in there. Well, that softener is going to regenerate when it regenerates, start creating soft water, and then you've got to flush it through your water heater and all through the system. That that makes sense because at my house I have a tankless water heater, so we notice immediately like once we like get salt back in it and like because what we'll do is if we let it like run all the way out, we'll put we'll put salt back in it and we'll have it regenerate. That's the right way to do it. Yeah. Okay, that's the right way to do it. Um, so the other question: How low can you let it go? Yep. As long as there's salt in there, it's going to be as long as it's not all dissolved, it's going to be doing its thing. As long as it's not clear water. And yeah, if, I mean, if you can see salt in there, if you can see the water, usually the very, what, bottom six to 12 inches of the tank has water in it, of yeah. the brine tank. And if you see water, it's time to add salt. Usually when you, when you put in a softener, most manufacturers will require a hundred pound minimum of salt be in there. Really? That's just two bags of, of salt. Uh, it is good to let your salt go down over time and so to keep filling it all the time. It helps keep that brine tank cleaner because you're processing anything out that could be getting stuck in there, but you don't want to let it run out. And then most, and most of the brine <clears throat> tanks run, they hold anywhere from three to, well, most of them are four to seven bags yeah. of salt. So a couple bags at a time, you're probably okay. Like you, so that was another question that I was going to do is like, do you have to fill it up all the way to that brine tank to, uh, to, to have it work? I w no, it doesn't have to be full to work. But when you do fill it, I recommend filling it all the way and then letting it run down very low. Got it. So fill it up all the way, let it get all the way low, fill it up. Why? Well, that, that's, that's to help keep any garbage or like, you know, things from maybe a bad bag of salt getting stuck in there. That'll help allow that stuff to flush through your system and let it get trapped in there. And less chance of a salt bridge also hmm. that Scott was talking about earlier. So a good thing to help prevent salt bridges is the weight of all the other salt up above it. Oh yeah. Well, it'll it help push it down, but also you, you don't want water to like crystallize from getting wet and then just sit there. If you're letting it run down, it's usually just going to keep going down. Mm. Okay. So let's see. You know, one, one of the things that I do at my house is I, I write on the wall and I've got a pen right there and I just, every time I add salt, I put how many bags I added, and then with history, I get to know, okay, it's time to go get more salt. It, it's kind of a lifestyle thing. If it, Typically, a family of four will use one to two bags a month is kind of the typical standard. And so you can just base it on that. If you don't want to do the whole heavy lifting and bring in six bags at a time and 300 pounds and cart them down the stairs, hey, twice a month when you go to the grocery store, grab a bag of salt and bring it in and, and haul it down. I mean, it can be a lifestyle thing where it's just easy to maintain, or you can stockpile it and then add as, add as you need to. So let's go into my next batch of questions, which are uh, about maintenance and taking care of it. So what kind of maintenance do people need to do to their softener and how often? Well, one of those things is, is letting that salt run through it, like we're talking about. Uh, the other one is, is you want to check your hardness to make sure your water hardness is, is zero. Okay. So, uh, there is times where, depending on what system you have in your home, 
if the power went out, it can change some of the settings. Uh, that is a time when you want to go back and adjust those settings. When softeners get older, you can take and clean the salt tank out from time to time. You can remove it, spray it out with a hose, put it back in, get all the garbage out of it. And the softener itself, there is some liquids that you can pour through the brine tank that will suck through to the softener. Will help give that resin a little bit more life when they start to get old. Hmm. That's called tuning up or flushing a softener when they do that. Okay, so there there are things that you can do to tune up uh, a softener. Yep. Okay, good. Because I've, again, like, I still am amazed when I hear HVAC technicians say that, like, there's nothing you need to do to your heating and cooling system. Just change the filter and you're good. And same thing, I've heard plumbers say, you don't need to do anything to a softener. There's nothing really you can do to, you know, to tune it up or to maintain it. And so, um, and again, talk to me about, <clears throat> excuse me, because one, another one of my questions is, um, do you need to clean out like that stuff that settles at the bottom? Like, and this is on my mind because, um, I went and I checked my, um, brine tank and I could see water <laughs> and there, but there was, you know, salt or there, there was something down at the bottom. So it wasn't like totally, you know, clear all the way to the bottom, but it definitely looked dirty. It was, you know, it didn't look like, you know, the fresh white pellets that, that I usually put in it. Do I need to clean that stuff out periodically? Uh, so I would from time to time. It's not something you have to do every year. Okay. But every few years, it's not a bad idea to remove that brine tank and spray it out and put it back in. Mm. And it, and just, it's something that if a homeowner's thinking of needing that done, please don't put six bags of salt in it and then call and ask the yeah. plumber to come and clean out your brine tank. <laughs> the, the cost will go up significantly for that Wet one. Salt weighs a whole lot more than the dry bags you're trying to, I, I, at one time I tried to like take, you know, stuff out of mine and put in five gallon buckets and oh my gosh. Yep. Wrong move. Yep. So yeah, only, cl only clean it out when it's uh, down, down low. Okay. So, uh, as far as like the other maintenance stuff, like how often should you, is it like a every other year type of thing? Does it only matter as it gets older? Like what, what should people tell me how people should be taking care of their Well, thing? the one thing about the, the stuff you put in there to help, uh, give some more life to the resin. Mm -hmm. That's something you wouldn't want to do on a new softener. Okay. That's a softener that's been there for a while. Let's say after six years, 10 years. So it'd be quite a bit of period of time in between when you'd want to do that. So for the first six years of the softener's life, you're probably good to like, let it do its thing. But after, and correct me, I'm, I'm trying to restate to help people. I, but I, I'd probably recommend if you needed to do that to a softener, it'd be closer to the 10 year mark. Okay. Yeah, because that, that resin should still be working up to about 10 years is when you start could have some breakdown from the chlorine. Gotcha. So if your softener is over 10 years old, you definitely should probably look at having it serviced. Yeah, yeah. If if it's something that is still working and you're going to be able to keep in your house, that's when you'd want to look into doing a tune-up on it. Gotcha. And then once it hits that 10-year mark and you put this resin rejuvenation fluid in through it, do you then need to do that um, every couple of years? Like, or once you do it, is it like, oh, cool, I'm good for another 10 years? Generally, when we do that, it's because we know that the softener's time is coming to an end. Uh -huh. And so we'll do it. And then if somebody wants to do it a couple years later, they can. 
but you're going to start getting to close to the 15 year mark. Um, and that's when you'd want to look and replace it. And depending on the brand, you'd want to replace it at 10 years unless you've got a pretty good software in there. Gotcha. You can, you can add, and is your rejuvenation adding more, taking out the old resin beads and putting in new resin beads? No, or? that can be done. That, no. that, that would be a rebuild. Okay. Then that can be done. Yep. Is, is it, is it less expensive to like just get a new one or is that? Well, there, it takes quite a bit to rebuild a software fully. Mm -hmm. And so your prices are going to be pretty close to the same as replacing one. Uh, and essentially you're rebuilding something where a lot of parts on it are still old. Let's, so replacing it would be better. Okay. So, uh, my last, last, my last batch of questions uh, are, have to do with, uh, you know, repairing them. And, and so talk to me about the parts that fail on a softener. So one of the most common parts that fell on a softener is the float in the brine tank. The float in the brine tank. Yep. Real quick before you explain what that is. Now, I, I notice in my brine tank, and I don't know if every brine tank is this way, but you've got the big brine tank, and then when I open mine up, there's a tube over on the side. Like four inches around. That, that tube's called the well. That's the well. Yes. What does that do? And is so, the float in that? It is, and that okay. well's just there to protect the float. So oh. the float sits down inside that well. Those can get stuck either in the open position or the closed position, and either you won't get any water into that salt tank anymore and you'll lose your soft water, or it will overfill and start coming out of the runout. Coming out of the runout, is that you're going to get a flood at that point? You or? can. You can, um, depending on if you have a – there's a little drain port on the side of a soft yep. salt tank, and if that's close to a floor drain, you'll probably be okay, or if you have a tube ran from that to a floor drain. But if that is not working properly, you'll get a lot of water everywhere. Gotcha. And if the float gets stuck or the float stops, um, should we, is that something where that particular part can be replaced or do you just get a new brine tank? You can replace that part. Yes. Are, are brine tanks, I'm assuming since all the work is done in the, the, the part that's got the beads, can the brine tank be switched out? Yeah. Without having to. Let me tell you my experience uh, with when I've gone on calls where that float's been bad mm -hmm. and it's been stuck and it's usually on a soft that's been there for quite a while. And you go out there with the, the homeowner, you lift the lid off and they get that smell from all those years of bad bags of salt, dirt in there. Sometimes they'll see a spider floating around in there that's, you know, they let the lid off and it's snuck mm -hmm. in there. Those people usually say, want to just replace the whole brine tank. Sure. Yeah. And we, we can do that. And it's a brand new clean tank. It'll work great on that softener. But we can just clean the tank and replace the float. Gotcha. Okay. Um, other parts that fail besides the what's what's like the next most common thing? Well, uh, if the resin starts to get depleted, that's that's going to be farther down the road. That one is generally where you people try to do repairs on softeners and they just don't work. They can't figure out why it doesn't work. It's because there's not enough resin in there anymore to give you soft water uh, the valve heads that sit on top sometimes those will have a problem and you'll have to adjust those uh, the the float and the valve head is usually most of the repairs that we do on a softener float and valve head yep um brine tanks that crack is that from like putting too much salt in them they just get old and brittle like my in-laws had one where the brine tank cracked on the bottom and it was like it was leaking out what 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 causes that? 
Uh, well, the type of plastic they use when they manufactured it, there is different quality brine tanks for sure. Gotcha. But I have had somewhere I went to and it was cracked and leaking. And when we moved it, we found it when it was installed, it was set on like on a nail. Oh, really? It set on a bolt. And <laughs> it just weakened and it finally just cracked and broke the whole thing. So, yeah, when they're, when they're put in, if they're sitting on something, they can break. Gotcha. And I can tell you from experience at my in-law's house, just emptying the brine tank and putting duct tape over that crack. It worked for a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not Maybe. saying that that's what I did. Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, man, this, Austin, I know you, like, did you, we talked about a lot of stuff. Did you have any other questions that you didn't get answered? Man, I, I, I feel I like one, we. One other thing to bring up. Do it. There, there are jurisdictions, David, I'd like to see if we can talk about this, um, that are saying you can't dump salt water brine down our sewer systems because we can't take care of it and things. And it's a it's it's kind of a common thing in, in different parts of the countries and stuff that the water departments are saying, we can't handle all this salt water, therefore you can't put soft waters in. And, okay. and David, I know, has a really good answer because he's trained us on this one too. Okay. Yeah, that, that could actually answer quite a few questions talking about that. So one of those places that that has happened is in cities in California. They said you cannot put a softener in because we don't want the salt water going down through the sewer. There is companies that make systems that do not require salt, that don't soften water that we talked about, that said, hey, they don't even allow softeners in California anymore. That's not because the softeners don't work. They know they're better but they backwash at two o'clock in the morning. And if you take a city where you've got millions of people with softeners that go off at two o'clock in the morning, it overwhelmed the city sewer systems. They, they couldn't process that water fast enough. So that's why those areas uh, did not that's allow- That's like halftime at the Super Bowl. Yeah, everybody goes to the bathroom. Goes to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, at, at two o'clock in the morning. they can plan on that one, you know. And Yeah, so it, it came down to what they were able to process through their sewer system. Huh. So that's that's the only reason they've ever actually not allowed them to flush it through. Do we have any of those restrictions here in Utah? Not no. You okay. can put a softener anywhere in Utah. The other the other difference is now too the softeners now are so much more efficient than the ones even 15 years ago, 20 years ago with the time clocks that were constantly going they used more water to regenerate and everything else and so they're actually a pretty good product. Now the, the jurisdictions may not understand that part of it again or don't want to understand that part of it. But, but that, that, is, that is a question that our listeners are going to have and run into. And even when, you, even when you Google and things. You know, Scott talked about having a professional come out. And, I mean, you spent some time Googling and looking. And, and your mind turns to mush because there's so much out there that – this guy says this and this guy says that and salt, no salt. And, and it, there's just so much untruth out there that, well, not untruth, but there's so many conflicting opinions that it is very, very hard for a typical homeowner or a typical person that's not been trained and in the industry to really be able to get what's right. What, what is truth? Cause it's, oh my gosh. And Austin, I'm sure you ran into that too. You know, when you were looking things up, it's all over the board. But, you know, there's, if you can get a professional out there that knows some of these things and can help guide you in a good direction and help, you know, help you understand what it is and how it works and answer the questions, 
that's by far the best way. Well, I know this is a long episode, but there's so much value packed into this particular episode, so much information. And so if you listened to this thing from, <laughs> from the start to the end, <laughs> kudos. Um, but any, is there anything else that any other stones we left, we want to leave unturned or however that saying goes, I don't know, but anything else you want to say about water stoppers? Dwayne, is there anything else I want to say? Am I good? Let me call your wife and ask her. She'll tell you. Um, So, David, I know coming into this, you were a little nervous. Oh, yeah. You didn't seem that way. Like you, like for an episode about soft water, we came pretty hard with this one. Boom. Oh, yeah. I've actually been waiting to say that for a little bit. That was good. (laughs) That was good. Um, Like, uh, tell me how it was being on uh, on the podcast. Like, you had a lot of thoughts and a lot of nerves kind of coming into it. But how was it actually being on the show compared to the way you thought it was going to be? It was a lot more relaxed than I thought it was going to be. The host did a good job making you feel comfortable and like, you know, putting you at ease. That guy, Mike, he knows how to ask those questions. He's like the (laughs) question guru in asking the perfect questions at the time. And he just knows how to put the right amount of dollop on those questions. Yeah, way, way to bring uh, all the, that dollop, the dollop relaxed me quite a bit. <laughs> Sitting here dreaming about Mike Tyson fighting a shark helped you. Yeah, there you go. Well, I, come back anytime, man. That was it was a great uh, episode. You brought a lot uh, to you. the table there. Thanks so that's the show. I'd like to thank my guests, Dwayne, Scott, especially David, for being here. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode of In the House. If you'd like to know more about Any Hour Services, visit anyhourservices.com. I've been your home. I've been your hope. I've been your hope. (laughs) I've been your host, Mike Wilson. Thanks for listening. See ya.